Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning, good morning. Perfect love cast out fear. We gather in the name of Jesus. I greet you in the name of Jesus, the name of love today as we gather here. My name is Dennis, one of the pastors. Welcome. Welcome to those worshiping online this morning. This is week two of our current teaching series, Get in the Game, Get Out of the Stands, Get Off the Bench, Get Onto the Court, Get Onto the Playing Field. So again, this morning, before scripture, I want to share a little story. Once in a while, people send me fun little stories, and I thought this would be good just to get us listening this morning. Enjoy this. It goes like this. An old man lived alone in, a, in the country, and he wanted to dig his potato garden, but it was very hard work as the ground was very hard. His best friend, Fred, used to help him. He was now in prison serving 20 years for a crime that he had been convicted of. The old man wrote a letter to his imprisoned buddy and described his predicament. Here's the letter. Dear Fred, I'm feeling pretty bad right now because it looks like I won't be able to plant my potato garden this year. I'm getting too old to be digging up the garden plot all by myself. Now, if you were here, all my troubles would be over. I know that you would dig up the plot for me, love Tom. A few days later, Tom received a letter from Fred from prison who wrote this. Dear Tom, for heaven's sake, don't dig up the garden. That's where I buried the bodies. (laughs) Love, Fred. 6 a.m. the next morning, FBI agents and local police arrived and dug up the entire area without finding any bodies. (laughs) They apologized to the old man and left the same day. Then the old man received another letter from his imprisoned friend that said, Dear Tom, go ahead now and plant the potatoes. (laughs) That's the best I could do under the circumstances. Love, Fred. It was Henry Ford, the famous auto creator, who said, Your best friend is a person who brings out the best in you, even under challenging circumstances. Good to see you laugh. Good to see you smile. We use our gifts in different ways to continue to bless others and for us to further the kingdom. Now, last week we started this teaching series, Get in the Game, where we said, you join the team. Well, what about playing it now? Play the game. We need you. Every member is part of the body and all parts are needed for the body to function in its right way. Today, we're looking at Matthew chapter 25. So turn there if you brought a Bible or you want to look it up on a Bible app or if you're at home and you want to quickly Google that, Matthew chapter 25. We're looking at verses 14 to 30. Now, Matthew chapter 25, we see three stories of Jesus with all the same theme parables, if you will. The parable, the story of the 10 bridesmaids, the parable of the final judgment, some call it the sheep and the goats, and the parable of the talents. 
It's the parable of the talents in verses 14 to 30 that I want to look at today and unpack as it talks about, with the others, giving an account after a long delay. Each one of these deal with a season where one is at work, the master or the leader or the bridegroom has gone away, but when he returns, he will want a showing of what you've done in his absence. And the parable of the talents is like that. It's a challenging story. All three of them deal with the truth that Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? And we are living in the in-between period between his first coming in Bethlehem that we celebrated at Christmas and his coming again in power and might. And once he comes again, we will give an account of the deeds done in the flesh. And that is what this parable and the other two are about. So Jesus begins in verse 14. Let me just read 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And so we have this it seemed to be wealthy person who gave portions to these others. Now, the NIV says bags of gold. The original basically says talents. Now, when we think of the word talent, what do we think of? We think of skills, abilities. We say, well, she's really talented as a singer, or he's a really talented artist, or wow, isn't Chris Wingfield talented on the piano, we think of abilities. But in the first century, a talent was different than that. The first century reader would have understood this. A talent was a Roman unit of money, and it was not a small sum. It was a very large amount of money. In fact, one talent equaled 6,000 denarii, which was a medium of exchange, and one denarii would have been a day's labor. A day's labor. So think about what you make in one day if you are an hourly employee or if you have a salary, if you can quickly break that down, if you're good at math, how much you would make by working a day all day long, that would be one denarii. A talent would be 6,000 of those days. So to one, this master gave five talents, to another, two talents, and to another, one. So Equivalent, he would have been given for the normal person's income 80 years worth of wages. Think about how much you make, times it by 80, that would have been about the amount of a normal person's income. To the other person, he gave two talents, which would equal about 32 years of income, and to another person, one, which was still very large, 16 years. So we're not talking about small change here. We're talking about major money. These servants were not just hired hands. They were money managers. They were financial planners, okay? They're the ones that perhaps you're putting your trust in when it comes to investing for retirement, right? And this 
leader, this owner, this wealthy person is saying, I'm going to a faraway country. I want you to take this large amount and I'm giving it according to what I think your ability is to handle it. And I want you to do something with it. I'm coming back. And so there'll be a day of reckoning when he comes back. You get the, get the story now? That, that's the dynamic happening here. And how we translate that home here in 2023 is that, that God has given all of us gifts and abilities. Um, all of us have a spiritual gift, right? Have you discovered that? And each one of us have been entrusted. We are a steward, a trustee of the things that God has given to us. And there'll be a day when we will answer to those things. So in the parable of the talent, we see the master finally came home. And he wanted to know how these three managed the money. It's a very serious story. To the one he gave five talents, he said, well, how did you do? He said, I've got great news. 100% return. He was able to double it. So just think about, let's just throw a number out. Let's say it was $500,000. He gave him back a million dollars. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty good return, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to have that on your investments? And then to the next person, who was given two talents, how did you do? And he says, hey, I've got good news, 100% return. I'm able to give you back double what you gave me. Now, you can see it coming <laughs> in the story. The third, some of you know this story, right? Others, it's for the first time. Here's what happened. He goes to the one with one talent, still a very large amount, and he asks to give an account. And the guy said, here's your money. I was afraid, so I buried it in the ground. It's here, but here it is, one talent. The master in the story was not happy, and some harsh words were given. You can read the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, for those who remember him. Now, we start thinking, wow, he buried the money. What's that all about? But before we judge this guy too much on that, that was kind of common practice in the first century. I mean, remember, they didn't have banks, certainly didn't have digital money, right? So how would you keep your treasures safe? They were bags of gold. How would you keep them safe? And so often people would bury their treasure, especially if there was an invading army coming at your doorstep. You wouldn't want the army to pillage and take everything. And so you would bury it, you would hide it, hopefully survive the invasion to come back later at X marks the spot, if you could remember, and dig it up, and you would have your treasure again. So this was kind of commonplace in the first century. I mean, remember, Jesus told another story, a parable, of finding a treasure in a field. And I remember that parable and the delight and the celebration that takes place in doing so. And so it was known in their mind. But yet we see that this individual was unwilling to take a risk. Now, for many of us here in Miami County, Montgomery County, and other counties, um, we're pretty well off overall, at least in comparison to, to other parts of the world. And some of us who've been working for some time have retirement plans, 401ks. Rachel and I have had the same financial planner for over 25 years and I've been in the Methodist pension for 31 years. It says how old I am. And I'm hoping to go. Now, pastors never retire, right? They just refire for Jesus. Amen? <laughs> so I have no plans retiring. Uh, 
But I, in about 15 more years, um, there'll be a time, I'm 54 now, in about 15 more years or whatever, I may draw from some of that. We'll see if the Lord gives me grace and ability. We're not guaranteed a day to live, are we? Amen? And the things of this life are fleeting. But if that day comes, and so let's say, for instance, in 15 years, I go to my financial planner, I go to United Methodist Pensions, Westpath, and I say, okay, I've been investing all these years. How did I, I get, I get those monthly statements, but I don't look at them. I just put them to the side. So how did I do? And the guy looks at me across the table and he says, well, I want you to know your money's been safe. You see, here's this shoebox, and every time that you would give some money, I put the money in the shoebox, and it's all here. How would you feel about that if you found out that's the way your investment, your retirement's been going? In a lockbox, so to speak. Well, at, least, at least that money's... Did you, did you grow? Did you invest? Well, no, just all here. Any compounding interest? I hope no. I'd be pretty disappointed in the whole matter. Now you're getting the point of this story. The story is about investing, using, taking risks, trusting. God has given each of us abilities and gifts and graces. We can sit on our hands. We can bury the gifts. We can say, woe is me, I was afraid. Or we can get out of the stands and we can use those. Now, this is a day in which we have been talking about sports, the whole theme. Last week we talked more and next week we will as well. It's kind of a sports theme. Get off the bench, get on the court and that. In the winter, we have different sports. Anyone basketball fans out there? Yeah? Okay. Anyone hockey fans? Okay. Just a few. I thought you would have more. Let me tell you about a great hockey player from Miami County that some of you know of and perhaps personally some of you know. I've only known one winter Olympian in my life. I've met a few, heard a few speak, but only have known really one, and she is from Miami County. Some of you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Kristen King. Now, Kristen's from Piqua, where I pastored, and she grew up in the Methodist Church. She grew up in our Methodist youth group at Grace United Methodist Church. And... Um, she was part of that. Now, I met Kristen back in 2004. She actually was in college at Dartmouth, and she was back. She had just graduated, and she was certainly by then playing a lot of hockey and played for Dartmouth, but she was back, and she was part of a wedding in which I was conducting, and that was my first time that I got to know her of a close friend who was very active in our church and, and of course, very much loved up there. For those who do not know of her, let me tell you a little bit about her story. Uh, she, two years later after that event, became the first hockey player, women's hockey player, from the state of Ohio in the Olympics. And that year, in 2006, was only one of three Ohioans in the Winter Olympics. At the time, we were so excited at church, our administrative board member, Dave Palmer, was quoted in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. How many, by the way, know Dave? Shout out to Dave. 
this morning. He is the athletic director at Troy High School, and he's been here to worship since I've been pastor. He and Carol, great couple. But he was quoted having raised Kristen. He shared this, I've known her for so long, it's hard for me to think of her as a celebrity. But every now and then it hits me that she's one of the best 20 hockey players in the US, said Palmer, one of the dozen friends and family members going to Olympics to see Kristen play. Who would ever think that a little town in Southwest Ohio in Miami County would produce one of those people? Well, she went on to do incredible things on the hockey rink. And some of you know that she has her jerseys at Hobart Arena here. Some of you sit here today and you think, you know, I'm just a little old me from a little old place that no one knows in the world. I could never really make a difference. My gifts are insignificant. I'll never really matter in life. Nothing good really comes out of our small corner of the world. And yet we have this young girl from a Methodist youth group in Piqua, not even the county seat of Miami County. You know, she had every reason to have excuses. I mean, I lived in Piqua for six years love the people there. Some of you live there now. Be honest, it's not the world center of hockey for the United States, right? <laughs> it doesn't even have a hockey rink. Of course, we have Hobart Arena, but she would play in Michigan and made many trips to Michigan on the weekend. She would have never reached the place that she got if she wasn't willing daily, weekly, monthly, to lace up the skates, to come down to Hobart, to go and travel on a team. She counted the cost. She paid the price. She had every reason to give up. Just a little girl. Just a little person. Her mother in 2003, who was a teacher, Mary Ellen, was diagnosed with cancer. This took a tremendous toll upon the family and, of course, upon her students in Piqua. But Mary Ellen encouraged her. The Dayton Daily News reported right before Mary Ellen died, her mom talked to her and said, you go for your dreams. You don't give up. I have complete faith in you. During the 2006 Olympics, it was Kristen who scored a key goal against Sweden. And then later, the team went on to win the bronze medal that year. I'll never forget, and I was pastor at the time in Piqua, the big parade we had on Main Street with all the fire trucks of all the county and news agencies from Dayton that came. Anybody remember that? Way back when. What a day as we were celebrating one of our own who had come home. Now, 
Where are you going with all this, pastor? It's a good story, but where are you going with all this? Oh, just this. What I love about the parable of the talents, the story of the talents, is that success is not based upon the dollar amount, how much came back in return, because it was different for the one who gave five and the one that gave two. It was all about the effort according to one's own ability. It was all about taking the risk. I said at the beginning that this is a very pointed message that speaks to us because it says there's going to be a day in which we're going to be called upon, not just your parents, young people, not just your grandparents and their faith, but each one of us, according to Jesus, to give an account of the talents and the gifts. How did we use them? Did we use them all for ourselves? The truth is that we're gonna die someday. We don't think we're gonna die, but we're gonna die. Now, this is not a fiery doom and gloom. Boy, the pastor is depressing today, gloom, despair, and agony to me. Don't get that way. It's just true, right? All of us know that. I, I, I officiated, I conducted, I think it was about 31, 32 funerals last year. The truth is that all of us are going to die someday. They're going to put you in the ground. They're going to throw dirt in your face. And then we're all going to go back to the church or your home and eat potato salad. <laughs> if I'm the preacher, I'll say a good word about you, perhaps. Did you know that when you were born, you were the only one who cried and everybody else was happy? Think about that. Mom is celebrating. Dad's out calling people. Grandma's calling people. Remember the old days when dad used to pass out cigars and all that in celebration? You were the only one crying as a baby. Everybody else was happy. That's not what's important. What's important today is that when you die, when everybody else is crying, will you be the one that's happy? Depends. Depends what you live for. Are you living for Jesus today? Are you living for life beyond yourself? Or are you sitting on your hands? Are you sitting on your talents? Are you bearing your gifts and graces? Oh, God is calling us to more. There's more to life than living and dying. There's more than just making it through the nine to five. There's more than just living up the American dream and you get it and you realize, is that all there is? There's more. For God has called each of us to lace up our skates, to get out into the ring, to get on the field, to play the game. Let me close with this verse as we take communion today. I love it. This is Mark chapter eight, verse 35. Listen to Jesus. If you insist on saving your life, you're going to lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Are you ready to live this morning? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. There's life found today. Right here around the table, there's life at the foot of the cross. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you have given all of us purpose. And you have a plan for each of us to fulfill your calling. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given each of us a gift. Help us to discover that today. Today, as we come forward, we acknowledge the greatest gift that you have given is the gift of Jesus for us. That we can know that we're part of this team, that we can know that we are forgiven, and we can know that we have purpose for tomorrow. Oh God, today, as we come forward, we give our lives fully to you. We celebrate forgiveness of sins, but also we commit to changing the world in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.